stay there. You know what? I believe that every single person on this planet can make a difference. And I believe that we all have something to offer, something that's so unique that it will change somebody else's life. I believe we all deserve to step into our true selves. And I believe that every single person needs to feel great about themselves. I want you to step into who you truly are and I want you to make a difference for somebody else and for yourself. And I don't think it's that hard. It's a matter of putting one step in front of the other and just taking action. And I'm interviewing guests that have done just that. I'm Karen Vaughan. This is the Get Off The Bench podcast. And here is where you can make that decision to make your life count. It all starts with you saying yes. Hey guys, and welcome back to another week of the Get Off the Bench podcast. Now, I've talked many times before about sometimes we wait for adversity to happen, uh, sometimes tragedy strikes us, uh, sometimes we get off the bench because we we simply uh, so passionate about something we can't help ourselves, and other times, you know, we're, we're forced to get off the bench because we don't like a situation we're in. Um, the part about when tragedy happens is, you know, one of those really heartbreaking situations. And I, I think that, you know, I talk a lot about when we help others, we heal ourselves. And when we do things for others, you know, serving others beyond ourselves, it really does bring a big part to our healing journey. And today's guest um, is Hans Korberg, who lost his daughter. I'll give you an intro in a second. And he's now doing some amazing stuff. So um, I think there's a lot in this episode and a lot, there's a lot of things that Hans shares that we need to really think about if we're around people who are grieving. So, so let me tell you about him. He's absolutely amazing. Hans Kohlberg is an author specializing in children's books and parenting books. Also a serial entrepreneur, Hans is a loving father of four wonderful children and prides himself on being a father first and foremost, cherishing every moment of his fatherhood journey. Due to the unexpected tragedy of losing his daughter Aviva at 10 months old, Hans is motivated to share her fearless character, fun-loving spirit and vivacious personality embodied through an orangutan in his book, Baby Aviva, Orangutan Diva. Even though she is no longer here to meet friends, Aviva can still change lives and create positive impact through the messages of this book, including overcoming adversity by using your inner strengths, never judging a book by its cover and staying true to yourself. Knowing intimately how precious life is, Hans's mission is to help other parents embrace the wonderful experience of parenthood to the fullest, always cherishing our children by leading with love. In addition, through sharing his story about the most difficult tragedy a parent can imagine, he hopes to bring attention to the often overlooked grieving journey and how supporters of bereaved parents can provide comfort simply by showing up. Welcome, Hans. Uh, thank you so much for, for letting me come on your show, Karen. It's really awesome to be here. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. I love the work you're doing and I, you know, with a with a broken heart. I mean, it's, you know, it hasn't come through any sort of, um, you know, silver spoon in your mouth or any fantastic opportunity. It's come from um, a hell of a lot of loss and heartache, but um, you are changing the world and you're making it better for other people. So you're the perfect guest, in my opinion. 
Well, thank you so much. And and what you said, you know, doing an act and, and really having a purpose, a lot of times, you know, having a heartache, we, we all find ourselves in different situations where we go through grief. And when we travel through grief, um, that journey is very difficult. And yeah. it's something that I've realized um, now at, at, you know, as a parent more than ever before. Um, but it has inspired me, it has motivated me to really bring a message uh, to the world, but also do it in commemoration and honor of my daughter, Aviva. Yeah, yeah. I, I wish there was a way you could have, um, you know, left her legacy without losing her. You know, I, and you would wish that a hundred, a million times more than me, but it's, um, it often does take a tragedy, doesn't it, to, to open up, um, I guess, the potential that we've got within us, you know, to, to make a massive difference. And it's sad, it, sad. Yeah, it, it certainly gives you a whole new clarity, a whole new perspective on life mm-hmm. in terms of what's really important and, and what's not. And, um, and really aligning that priority, aligning that, that purpose with what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis. As, all, as parents, you know, if any parent can really attest to um, having a, a child is a very, you know, one of the biggest transformations you can have in your life. Um, you have a whole new perspective. I would say losing a child is similar in that extent uh, to an even greater greater extent. Um, mm. For me, I, I really want to honor uh, my my daughter Aviva. Um, I'd also, you know, would love for a lot of people to meet her, um, even though she's not physically here. I think um, her spirit and the love that I have for her, um, you know, can reach you know, millions of people. And I, that, that's really my purpose. Um, but also having, having really a mission uh, along yeah. the way in doing so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you're doing it um, really well and, and uh, she'd be extraordinarily proud of you and, you know, thinking you're the best daddy in the world. Now, speaking of being the best daddy in the world, if anybody can hear those little, little baby noises, <laughs> Hans has got his new baby daughter, and I, I can't remember her name. You'll have to remind me again. But Her name is Liliana. Liliana, and she's only nine days old. So um, Hans is nursing her. He, he told me she'll go back to sleep, but that's okay. We, we don't mind a little bit of chatter. <laughs> she can be part of the podcast. So yeah. tell us, Hans, um, you know, Sort of, sort of what happened, and and you know as much as you can handle without the heartbreak, you know. Yeah, thanks, Karen, for asking that. Yeah, first thing I would say is I really love talking about my daughter. Um, yeah. It's one of those misconceptions that people in society just don't realize and don't you know hear about. Um, but for most parents that have lost a child, um, those in the grief groups I attend with, and and those that I know, we all love talking about our children. Um, mm. We don't ever want. To, to not talk about them. And we always want to think about them just as a parent with a living child likes to think about their child and talk about their child. Um, we do too. And so in terms of, um, you know, what happened with Aviva, uh, she was born in, in January, uh, 2020. Um, she, uh, at nine days old uh, of her life, uh, she had a, a very low heart rate it's called bradycardia and very low uh, temperature, hypothermia. And she was also very lethargic. Uh, she was having just uh, really a lot of lethargy to nurse. Um, and as she was our third child, we realized that 
um, that was something that was off. It was, it was just really, um, and especially the temperature, obviously. Um, and so we rushed her to the ER. Um, they did thousands of different tests over the next week uh, that we were there, including uh, a lumbar puncture, which is a spinal tap, uh, very serious procedure. But um, they thought, you know, it might have been a virus, might have been bacteria, might have been infection. Um, everything was ruled out. Uh, they, they didn't find anything uh, from a diagnostics perspective. And, you know, we, we talk about coronavirus a lot uh, over the last couple of years, but you know, the reality is there's thousands and thousands of different viruses out there. Mm. Um, and so they, they were testing the major, you know, 20 or 30 of them. Um, but, you know, they, we don't know if she had something else. But um, essentially, we left that uh, hospital visit. Um, you know, she was about two weeks old and uh, without any diagnosis, uh, we thought everything was better. She was getting back to full strength and she was um, you know, happy, jolly as a baby can be. And, um, and she was very, very vivacious. She was just uh, full of life, full of spirit. Um, but then uh, the same thing occurred uh, around four months of life. And this time, you know, uh, we went to the, the doctors, they, they didn't really know what was going on. Uh, we saw a neurologist, we saw a cardiologist, um, we had a team of doctors, you know, Kind of scratching their heads and, and putting their heads together, not really knowing what happened. Um, but she would get back, you know, to full strength within 24 hours. Um, so she'll be kind of out lethargic and then bounce right back. And so it was just very perplexing. Um, subsequently, happened every couple of months after that. Um, we thought it might have been an environmental factor, something to do with her house. Um, that was ruled out. There was really nothing wrong there. Um, and then we also uh, did DNA testing, uh, whole genome sequencing. Um, there was really nothing wrong uh, with her DNA as well. And so um, we decided to move. We were living in Oakland, California at that time. And we moved down to Cal uh, San Diego where I have family. And, um, and there was also uh, a doctor uh, who was, he's a um, uh, metabolic specialist and uh, mitochondrial specialist. And we thought there was some reason that she was having problems um, producing energy, actually. And, and a lot of these episodes happened every time she hit a growth spurt. Mm. Um, and so we're not sure if that had something to do with it, but she eventually went four, four months without actually having any, um, any episode and then, uh, and then hit again in November last year. Um, and then 10 days later, uh, uh, she had, she, this, this time it was accompanied by vomiting. Um, and I'll never forget the day. It was, it was the hardest day of my life. Um, you know, we took her to urgent care. Um, they transferred her pretty immediately to, to the ER. Uh, she had, um, you know, uh, just been losing liquids, uh, just from, from the vomit and, and she was just continuously vomiting, but, um, she eventually had a high level of potassium um, in her blood, which potassium, if you're not familiar, that's what they actually give to inmates on, the, on death row um, for, for the death penalty. They give a syringe full of potassium because it basically just stops the heart. Um, so it was a condition called hyperkalemia. Uh, the doctors treated her for that, uh, but unfortunately, um, we don't know what happened uh, with that procedure, but um, 
two minutes after they, they administered the medication, uh, she had um, a multi-organ system failure. Essentially everything just stopped working. Um, and so, uh, you know, we thought, you know, this episode would be just like all the others. And, and in fact, she was actually presenting a little bit better um, than, than the other times, um, minus the, the vomiting, which was new. And so, um, you know, when we got the news that, that her heart stopped and, and they put her on an ECMO machine, which basically was life support, um, my whole world just crash just just devastation uh, beyond devastation um you know the worst thing the words uh your daughter's heart has stopped uh it's been the worst words that that i've ever ever heard in my life and probably ever will um you know we spent the next 20 hours or so just trying to just agonizing at the hospital just hoping for a miracle any, any kind of miracle but Eventually, uh, they had to take her off life support, and um, we hold, held her in our arms, and, and I held her, you know, singing to her and telling her that that daddy's going to make her proud, um, that daddy's going to, you know, really do great things in her name, um, in Aviva's name, and so, um, you know, I, I've I've talked about it so much at, at this point. Um, I, I don't necessarily shed a lot of tears, but obviously it, it was just, um, it still is every single day. Uh, I still think about her. So um, that's, you know, that that's my promise to my daughter. My promise is to, to really uh, do inspiring things in the world and, and really help others, help people um, in, in her name. And so that's, that's one of the reasons I've done things like uh, writing this book, but there's, there's a lot of other things that, um, I had planned for the future as well. Oh my God. Well, you might not be shedding tears, but I am. It's, uh, you know, it's, um, I remember losing a sister and it, it, she was 33. And the, you know, the, the pain of, you know, the, when, when after they've gone, you know, for those few minutes when you get, you know, alone with them. And, but to lose a daughter, you know, to lose a little baby and, oh, <laughs> that's bloody killing me just listening to you. But, you know, I'm so glad that you, could see, um, you know, hope for the future, you know, like like hope to make her proud and hope to leave, leave a legacy, you know, you know, rather than I'm not saying it's a positive way to see it, but, you know, it was kind of like, well, what, what can I do with this rather than um, rather than be angry and, and lose the opportunity to do something in her name. So, you know, it's, it's, that's, that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's it's not definitely not something that was immediate. It was uh, something that has been part of the grieving journey. And if you know a lot about the five stages of grief, obviously the shock and anger and depression, you know, have have experienced in all of, all of those. Um, yep. And there's, they're not linear; they can go yep. back and forth. And, um, of course, you know, how I was angry uh, at some things and and depressed at others. But um, you know, when when you kind of get to that acceptance stage, you can kind of feel that there's something more and, and there's something missing. There's something that I really want to do, you know, for her. And that's really finding meaning. And uh, there's actually a book in that name, Finding Meaning, uh, written by a grief psychologist, one of the most popular ones out there, uh, David Kessler. Um, David Kessler, uh, you know, he's consulted people at 
9-11 and, and he's had, you know, clients, you know, have gone through the worst types of tragedies. And uh, he actually helped um, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross write the book um, about the, the stages of grieving, um, five stages of grieving. And so um, he himself went through a tragedy at a very young age. He lost his mother when he was about 11 years old. And um, that's how he got into grief therapy. And uh, it wasn't until much later in his life, in his 50s, I believe, he lost his uh, 22-year-old son, um, uh, tragically, uh, unfortunately, uh, lost his 22-year-old son. And as a parent, he said, and he's publicly said this, he did not understand the depths of grief any like it, there there's nothing comparable to, to losing a child for him um even though he lost his mother uh lo losing his child was was just a whole nother level um he didn't really understand it before um this is a guy who studied his entire life um you know on grief and and so he ended up writing this book called finding meaning um which talks about really doing something you know in honor and remembrance of that child that you've lost um, which is which is really the sixth stage of grief, um, trying to find, figure out a way to use that grief and really, um, you know, kind of mold it in, in a way that really can uh, help others. Um, that's that's kind of the overarching premise on on, on my journey, um, and and try to figure out a way to to really keep that uh, child's memory alive. And so, mm. uh, yeah. Wow. Well. I think it's I think it's wonderful. So you wrote the um, you wrote the book, uh, ba Baby of Eva, Orangutan Diva. <laughs> so I reckon that's um, you know what? Why the orangutan? Why did we pick that? Is she was she? Did you she remind you of a little monkey, a little <laughs> orangutan? Yeah. So so it, yeah. first of all, there, there's there's a, a quick um, correction. Um, uh, Orangutans actually aren't monkeys; they're they're apes. Oh, they're I know, apes. I know. <laughs> yeah, which uh, but she is she is she is a little monkey. Um, and and um, honestly, one of our very last family outings was to the zoo. We have a very famous zoo here called the San Diego Zoo, and I, I had all three kids um, by myself at that time, and and um, it was a really long day. We saw the tigers and lions and elephants and everything else, but the very last animals we came across were the orangutans and it's about two o'clock the toddlers were um just past their 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 exhaustion point <laughs> they they needed a nap and they were kind of um you know roaming around like lying around on the ground even and um and i had a viva actually in my pouch um, i was kind of you know wearing her the entire time and she had taken a nap and and so when we got to the orangutan she was just completely amazed and really mesmerized uh, and en entranced by these beautiful creatures, uh, oh. beautiful and intelligent, I, I should say, yeah. creatures who were just, you know, swinging from the rafters and eating banana, eating, you know, different, different um, uh, fruits. And, and, um, oh. and she, we, she was just staring at them for about 20 minutes um, while I talked to the zookeeper there. And, and, um, and so that, that memory will always kind of live in, in my mind. Um, so when I was thinking about writing a book and the reason I did write a book was, was that I wanted to let the world know about my daughter. Um, you know, she was born in January, 2020, just before COVID, uh, she, 
you know, didn't get to meet a lot of people. Um, my brother included, never got to meet her. And, and so one of the upsides of COVID, however, was that I got to spend all my time with her. I was working from home and she was either, you know, with my wife or with me the entire time. There wasn't any babysitter um, that, that was taking care of her. And, and so, you know, I, I got to know who she was as a person and, and that vivacious, bubbly, that laughter um, and, and joy that she had, um, you know, I wanted to recount that story and, and really let other kids know her about her and parents know about her and, and teachers as well. Um, and anyone that gets their hands on the book really, um, to kind of, you know, share, share her light, her personality, her love, her joy, uh, her character, but also do it in, in a way that actually, um, can teach kids about, um, some important life lessons, um, which you'll see in the book, a, a lot of it, um, there's a lot of different life lessons, but the most important being, being true to yourself. And, um, and so, yeah, that, that was the reason for the ring tan. Um, but uh, beyond that, I actually have a very soft spot, spot in my heart for orangutans. Um, they are just beautiful creatures. Their, their lives are endangered in Borneo and Sumatra and in Indonesia. Um, there's deforestation that's happening right now and, and has been for a long time. And I'd really love to call attention to these beautiful creatures because uh, I want my kids and grandkids to, to know them. I still have a fantasy of, of actually going there. I've never actually uh, been to Borneo or, or Sumatra, but would love to see them in the wild um, you know, not just in the zoo. So, um, so yeah, beyond that, there's really no other books that I know of, of about orangutans. There's the, the monkeys and the gorillas usually get the bulk of the attention. So, so yeah. They do. And, and I, I love all of that. I love the, I love all the life lessons and I love the whole, you know, be true to yourself. I love that. And, and while you're thinking, while you're talking about it, I was thinking, you know, this is, I was listening to you, don't worry about that. But I was thinking this is a, this is also a great opportunity to, um, you know, have people fall in love with orangutans. And, and I'm a big, well, I've got my Animals Australia shirt on. I'm a big animals, animal activist. And it's, um, you know, same, I know orangutans, not monkey. I was, I was just meaning the, the behaviour, yeah. but um, orangutans, I, I, I have the same feelings as you that that, that they're just, um, they're, they're so close to human. They're so intelligent. We are just completely... And they're not the only animal, but we are completely trashing, trashing the planet, you know, and not not taking any animals into consideration when we're just thrashing around like um, entitled human beings. But the the when you see the uh, the devastation in the in the orangutans in their souls in their energy, you know, that when they're um, oh, look, I'm going to start bawling again. It's just <laughs> you know, I, I can't handle it, but. It's just what you're doing is just is um say so look, I'm just gonna suck all the way through this damage. Uh, no, no I, I I'm I'm right there with you. I'm I'm right on the same page and, and I you know I tear, you know, when oh. I see you know that video on YouTube, uh there's one that uh they're they're deforest deforesting this this forest and and there's a big uh truck or tractor that that's uh, cutting down this tree and there's a rain tent yeah. you know climbing on top of it and, and yeah. trying to pound and, and stop. Uh, you know, and, and that's just so that captures that um, sentiment a lot, uh, uh, in my opinion. And, um, 
and in fact, you know, they're not the only animals that live there. There's, there's a bunch of others. Um, and so you'll, you'll notice in the book, there's um, tons of animals from specifically from that region. Uh, so the tiger and, and the elephants, as well as proboscis monkey and uh, some others, taper and, and, and other animals that are um, indigenous to that region, I think um, it's important to really call attention to those and, and really get, you know, in, in front of, front of those, um, you know, I, especially, you know, as this audience is really kids and parents, um, that they, they are educated about, you know, what's happening and, and maybe they'll fall in love with this orangutan and then want to do something for for the forest but i haven't yet reached out to any animal activist groups but um would really love you know if anyone's listening to get in touch to um you know any any save the rain tans or save you know the rainforest type of initiatives i know a few i know a few and i will get them to you um, in my book magnificent kids there is daniel and william clark and daniel is um has cerebral palsy you know he's in a wheelchair and uh he loved um steve Irwin, you know the crocodile yeah. and i love him too <laughs> and when he died daniel said to his mum, um who's going to save the world now and his mum said well i don't know and daniel says well, well i'll have to and didn't didn't consider his cerebral palsy as a barrier whatsoever and him and his brother william um they wrote the book called tears in the jungle which is about orangutans and the people in, I think it was Borneo, um, walk them through the jungle for days carrying his wheelchair. And there's some great footage. You would absolutely, you would absolutely love that. And they they now raise money and they've bought something like 900 acres of land over there for orangutans or wow. something. I, I can't, 900,000 or something. It's a, it's, it's a remarkable amount. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to put you in touch with them. and um, Yeah, I know. That's, that's amazing. I would love to do any kind of collaborative work there and, and really, yeah. you know, if it means, you know, giving this book to, to kids and, and reading it in front of classrooms to, to really un- make sure that they understand, you know, uh, what's happening um, and, and how their future is, is being affected. Yeah. Um, that's something that I, I really love to do. So. All right. And I know a couple of others too. I think that's uh, the more of us that are on this um on this page, you know, for the planet, um, the, the the better things are going to be. We've digressed a little, but um, yeah. I, tell you, I tell you what, it's it's worth it because, you know, one thing that I care about about this podcast is that yes, I do want to inspire people to do their thing, and you know, through other people in the world doing it. And if I can showcase people who are doing it, then that might encourage someone else to do their thing. But at the same time, if I can make this world a better place through this podcast and, you know, you, you know save the animals and make the planet better, then by yeah. God, I'm going to be, I'm going to take my opportunities to, <laughs> to talk about that. But um, so thank you for all. You just have to get off the bench and do it, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly yeah. right. But thank you for all you do. So um Oh, I don't even know where to start with my questions, Hans. You've just you've 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 touched my heart so deeply that I can I can barely think. But uh, it's um, the feelings that are going through me are just um, intense at the moment. But when you're talking about that that the, the guy that I'm, I can't remember his name, I wish I had written it, written it down. But who wrote David, this? David Kessler. David yeah, Kessler. yeah, Dad Kessler, and he talked about losing a child and you know even at a later age it wasn't a baby but still losing a child and, and the grief of that you're you're actually doing some work you know supporting bereaved parents as well and you somewhere I read in your work you say 
and you touched on it before that bereaved parents like to talk about their kids. You, you know, um, I think that when somebody loses a child, people don't know what to say. You know, you know, it's it's such a you don't know whether am I going to upset them by saying something? Am I going to and so you said somewhere in your writings that that people just need to show up. Do, what does that look like for bereaved parents and how do we do that? Yeah. And, and I, you know, this is, this is the part where, you know, it's, it's been a complete, you know, flashlight or, or flashlight into an area of life that I ne never really knew about. I, I probably didn't even know how to spell the word grief um, before this episode. And, and um, you know, I've been very blessed in life in a lot of different things, aspects, but what I realized is that society tends to really put on a pedestal and platform all of those you know, great things in life, the celebrations, the weddings, the birthdays, the baby showers, you know, you know, the, these great, great events, which we all should celebrate, um, certainly. Um, but, you know, pe people show out for that, you know, they, they'll, they'll travel, you know, around the world to come to a wedding. But when it comes to loss, um, what I've found is, is that's, you know, the time in life that people most need each other. Um, we are social human, humans are social beings and, and we need each other for support, um, for comfort, um, for touch, uh, just to be able to hug somebody um, and someone to, to really listen uh, to what we have to say. Um, so grievers have, have uh, almost innate need to, to feel heard. Um, there's a lot of things that go through our minds. Um, you know, I, obviously, uh, a lot of depressing things, a, a lot of angry things, uh, a lot of sad things, um, maybe even suicidal things in a lot of cases. Uh, however, you know, what really helps and what's helped me the most, you know, throughout my journey um, has just been being able to, to talk to people and, and to really, um, you know, talk about what I'm feeling and what I'm, what I'm doing. Um, you know, humans ha have a need uh, to be able to, um, have comfort and, and, um, and, and partake in the comfort of others, you know, when they're actually uh, going through the worst thing in their life. And so, um, for me, a lot of times that meant just getting on a zoom call and being able to, um, you know, talk to someone that could be just silent on the other end, you know, of, of that call, mm -hmm. just, um, just listening and, and even just that, you know, listen to me, you know, cry or be angry or be sad um, or be able to tell my daughter's story and, and tell, you know, funny stories about her life. Um, you know, that that is is really important um, and it, it can't go understated um, in terms of the, the importance of that um, from from the feelings that I have, um, you know, after after that, like it's almost as if a weight kind of comes off your shoulders just a little bit, obviously, um, you know, when you're, when you're grieving, grieving, you're deep in that well. It's like, you know, uh, someone told me the analogy the other day of, of, you know, being, falling down in the well and feeling like you just can't get, um, get out of it. And, um, and you have a lot of people that are at the top of the well and, and they kind of say, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. You know, it really sucks that, that you're at the bottom of the well, you know, is there anything I can do? And then they just like walk away and, and, and they don't, you know, don't do anything. But, um, those supporters and those friends and, and colleagues that, you know, look down at that well and says, say, you know, let me come down there. You know, I have a rope. I'm going to come down there and I'm going to sit with you. 
I'm going to sit with you in your grief. And, you know, we have a rope, we can get back up. Uh, maybe it'll be difficult, um, but I'm going to help you. And, and that's what I mean by showing up. Um, it doesn't mean you have to say anything at all. In fact, some of the, the hardest questions I've had to answer is how are you doing? Which I really don't want to answer. Like if I'm supposed to say fine, uh, that's, that's not truthful. That's not honest. Um, but I'm like, do you really want to know? And then I, then I will tell you, how are you doing? Um, you know, other, other comments, uh, such as I can't even imagine, um, right. If you think about, if you dissect that comment and, and kind of break it apart, that person saying, I, I, I don't even want to imagine, like I, in, in, in order to empathize, the first step is you, you have to try to put yourself in that other person's shoes, right? Yeah. Um, and try to kind of feel the same feelings that they have. And um, and if you say, I can't even imagine, it's like, well, you can try at least, you know, you may, maybe, you know, I, I never want anyone to experience uh, what I have, um, but at least, you know, try to empathize and, and try to kind of, you know, sit here and, and, and listen to, you know, what I have to say um, to be able to imagine. Um, because I think you, you really do need to imagine to, to, in order to really support uh, someone going through grief. And so um, this is all a long way of saying, um, you know, I've, I've learned a lot over the last 13 months or so, uh, read a lot of books, about 30 different books on grief, on the afterlife, on, you know, losing a child, et cetera. Um, I've gone through a lot of therapy as well, uh, grief groups um, and, and writing, uh, doing a lot of writing as well. But one of the, the ways you know, the message that I'd, I'd like to share with your listeners of how we can really show up for each other is, is really just being there. And I think there's a, there's a big and profound difference between space and distance. If you listen to those two, they sound similar, um, but space is really the act of, of giving that person your time, your attention, you know, a little piece of your 24 hours that you have in a day. Um, and, and enabling them to, to actually be heard. Um, let, let, let that griever speak or not speak or, or just cry. Um, and, and that's, that's giving that, that griever space. But a lot of times um, we confuse that with distance by saying, maybe that person just doesn't want to hear from us. Like we don't really have anything worthwhile to say, or, you know, we used to talk about X, Y, and Z, and we can't really talk about that anymore. And they, they just become distant. They don't, check in. Uh, they, they don't call, they don't text, they don't write emails and they just disappear. And, and I've had a few, you know, good friends, uh, friends that were in my wedding, uh, actually that just have not even checked in, uh, which, which I'm just perplexed about. I, I don't really understand, but, um, um, but I, but I, I know that at the end of the day, a lot of times they're trying to protect themselves and they're trying to say, well, I, I don't want to you know, get in an uncomfortable situation for myself or, or I don't, you know, want to imagine if that happened to my kids. So maybe this, you know, this person's bad luck or something, but, um, and that, that's just going to say it's, it's really, um, frustrating, um, when you kind of come across, um, that situation. On the other hand, there's been a lot of other friends that have come out of the woodworks and people I haven't talked to in 10 years that I've reconnected with. And, um, a lot of the, common thread with all of those people is that they've lost someone very close in life. Um, and they understand that 
you know, checking in, sending a text, how, you know, how are you feeling? Or I'm thinking about you once a month. Like it's, it could be simple, something as simple as that, or once every three months, it doesn't even, yeah, you know, it's not every day. It's not, it doesn't take too much effort. Um, but it just makes that griever know that you're actually thinking of them. And so um, that's what I mean by showing up. Mm. Yeah. And I think it's, it's interesting to say about, I can't imagine, you know, and I, I was sort of thinking, Oh God, I think, I think I've probably said that to people, you know, in the past and it's, and you've really given me a lesson, you know, in that thinking, well, you can imagine, you just, maybe, maybe you just don't want to go there. You, you, I'm thinking for myself, you know, maybe you just think well, if I go there, where, where am I going to go then? Do you, you know, so I think it is a form of protection. I think this is really good what you're saying because people listening to it might, might the, and me might think, God, when have I done that? Do you, and, and how could I, how could I do that better in the future? And, you know, it's, it's, and at the end of the day, none of us are perfect as long as we, take on what people are saying and we try to do better next time, you know, and we try to do better into the future. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and that's, you know, what I was saying at the end there is, was that, you know, a lot of people just don't know what to do or how to react um, many times because they haven't gone through uh, something as, as tragic as that. But, um, but, but that, that doesn't mean that, that you have to go through something like this to, to really understand. And so that, that's part of, you know, my message and, and what I want to, uh, you know, get out to the world. And, and especially as, as a father, uh, as a man, um, I think being vulnerable and, and being open to sharing uh, kind of things that, that have helped me, um, but also things that might've hurt me um, so that others um, can really uh, take that and, and maybe, you know, help those, um, you know, we, we've all probably lost someone through, through COVID or over the last couple of years, um, it's been very difficult for the entire world. Um, you know, if you're listening to this podcast and you know someone like that, um, you know, send them a text. Uh, just say, "Hey, I'm just thinking about you," or, you know, "Can I give you a hug?" Um, one of the one of the best things that that someone has ever done for me. Um, we went back to the East Coast uh, because my <clears throat> my wife's family is all from the East Coast, from the DC region, and this was about four months after Aviva passed, and. Um, it was really good to see some family. Uh, we hadn't traveled a lot because of COVID. Um, and we were at my brother-in-law's house. Uh, there's a lot of family there. Nobody was really saying anything about Aviva um, the entire time. We had beautiful lunch, uh, beautiful weather, you know, converse, you know, conversing about you know, small topics and catching up and how you doing and things like that. Um, but yeah, we just found it so odd that e even family just wouldn't even bring up, Hey, uh, you know, uh, how are you doing? Like, I'm, I'm really, really sorry. Or I'm really thinking about Aviva, um, throughout the entire, um, you know, course of three or four hours, not, no one said anything. And so we were getting our jackets ready to go and we we're at the door and my, my brother-in-law, he just came over, um, to my wife and, and gave her a really big hug. Um, he gave, he brought me in and, and we all three hugged together. Um, for about seven or eight minutes um, and crying. And, and he was crying. He was just bawling. He, he didn't know what to say. Um, he had no words. He, he didn't even know how to bring it up. But we knew that he was thinking about Abiba. And 
his way of expressing that was was through a hug and um i i'll never forget that hug in particular it, it's it still brings tears to mind when, when i think about it because it was just so moving and and when um when you have supporters that that really do really special things um for you uh, during this time of grief that's something that that you will be everlasting in that griever's mind like that that will stand out in my mind for for the, the rest of my life um but if you really want to be a great friend in, in in those circumstances you know just really try to be there and, and that's as simple as a hug um and and i just wanted to share that story because it's it's nothing profound you don't have to overthink it um but but what you can't do is is, is just ignore it and 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 not say anything and that's that's really um can be very more more hurtful than anything else. So when did you writing the book? What what after you've gone through several stages, you know, and you thought, look, I'm 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 ready to do something now. I'm ready to leave a legacy. I'm ready to let her energy and her love shine out into the world. You could have done anything. You could have started a charity, or you could have gone on a walk across America, or you could have whatever. What, why the children's book? What 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 was the catalyst yeah. for that? Yeah, uh, so to tell you the truth, I, I actually wrote the book within the first ten days after she died. Um, it, it it was one of those those things where there's almost this overabundance of of creativity actually uh, during during a time of such despair. Um, Obviously, the first couple of days, I was, I was catatonic. I was just completely shocked and couldn't do anything. And, you know, it was painful to even think about even going to get groceries um, mm. that first week. But my overwhelming sense was that, you know, we, we had a celebration of life for her. We had a funeral for her. Um, yet nobody really knew her. Um, we had my, my sister-in-law knew her. She, she got up and told some stories. Um, you know, we did, uh, my wife and I as well. Um, however, outside of that, you know, not many other people, um, really got to know who she was. And so, um, you know, if you've been to funerals, a lot of them, a lot of the eulogies are kind of filled with, you know, this person impacted me in this such a way, or this person will always live in me, or this is a funny story about this person. Um, and, and there just weren't that many of them, you know, shared, um, you know, universally across all of our friends and family that were that were there however she did have a very impact on our lives and we we definitely have a lot of stories to share with the world one i actually like to share is um we were on a road trip um to to oregon and uh there was a lot of wild berries and we picked some cherries actually and um and uh she was eating them in the back and she's a hungry eater she has her her dad's stomach and she was just devouring these cherries and we stopped 30 minutes later and um and she looked up and she had just cherry juice all over <laughs> her face uh she looked like a little dracula um but uh it's just just a really funny funny experience but um but yeah so so the overwhelming sorry i got sidetracked there but the overwhelming um, aspect of 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 writing the book was really just to share my daughter's uh, life and her story and her um you know her personality with the world um and and so that's embodied in this orangutan who's just really vivacious and she's a diva so she sings and dances and um and she's really hungry she loves bananas um 
but she's also fearless and, and she doesn't doesn't mind um you know taking on this challenge of facing off against this fearsome tiger that everybody else is very scared of um you know it's a dire situation her family's out of food um, they need to have these bananas um and and it's, it's really representative of her time in the hospital she she spent you know a number of days in the hospital uh, during, during her life where she was just as joyous and bubbly um you know as, as could be uh, as a little baby could be um, even with wires and pokes and prods on her and so um so that that's really the you know the the evolution of, of how the book kind of came to be but um would really love to have all of the kindergartners and toddlers and and uh, and elementary school um, students that that really love um, you know learning through books, especially in a in a whimsical and rhyming way, yeah. Um, and and really love animals to really understand you know who my daughter uh, actually is, and um, that that saying that really you know life everyone in life dies, um, but love never dies, right? Uh, that can't be more true, you know, in terms of how I feel with my relationship with my daughter now. Um, I love her as much now as I ever have. And, um, and and really, I think that she can still have a future and still can have a legacy. And, um, and, and that's what I really want to impart uh, by, by reading this to elementary school students. You know, I, I did one virtually this last week. And and it was just such a joy, such a, um, amazing experience to, to have them all kind of screaming Aviva's name and, and they love their orangutan. And, and, um, and yeah, so, so it's, 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 it's really, that's the, the inspiration behind the book. And um, I really, uh, I, I really hope the readers do enjoy um, all of the life lessons um, that, that are embedded within. Mm. Oh, I think that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, you're you're also writing on you're writing two more books at the moment and um, at various stages. And one is about the grieving journey and hope, so that you hope it will um, help bereaved parents. You know, it's a that's a parenting book. And the other one is um, called Dad Hacks for New Dads, which I, I think is great and I think very needed. Actually, I think they're both both very needed but um just give us a little bit about each of them and what what they're going to i've said what they're going to be about but a bit, bit deeper than that yeah so so dad hacks i actually started writing that five years ago when my, my son my first child was born and um and it's really just a, a story about um I, I mean it's not not really stories it's just uh, started as more of an entry is more of a letters to myself in terms of um in terms of things that have helped me along the way and, you know, bedtime or changing diapers, yeah. um, uh, just, just making things easier and more fun, um, you know, for dads during, during that time. And so there's a little, lot of vignettes and snippets of, of my experience. Um, and, and, uh, hope to publish that with about a hundred different dad hacks that, that people can, can do, um, supposed to be more of a fun and, 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 uh, creative book, but, one of the, the reasons I started writing that is because I, I really do believe that um, my most important job is my family and, and being a father. And, um, and I think a lot of people do say that, but don't necessarily put in that time and effort uh, to do so. And, and so, um, you know, as a father, I know that their kid, your kids, you know, they measure 
you know, their, their value in, in terms of uh, the time and attention that you give them. And, and that, that's really kind of where it starts. Um, and then, uh, and then the other one is, is called, um, it's more of about, about the grieving journey, um, as part memoir, um, but also part kind of, uh, you know, kind of advice and recommendations of, of, of things that have been helpful and hurtful, um, along the way. And, and so getting back to what we talked earlier, you know, not many people, um, experience this journey and, and they shouldn't, um, but yet yeah, it doesn't mean that we can't understand you know, what that journey looks like. And so um, the working title for that book is called Imagining the Invisible Wound. Um, and, and that kind of goes back to that statement of, you know, I can't even imagine. Um, I want to really write a book to the audience of supporters and uh, friend, friends, families, colleagues of uh, grievers and, and not just the grieving, you know, griever themselves, which of which there is a lot. And there's a lot of books out there for, for us. Um, but really, you know, how best to really help those in, in need. And so um, invisible wound, because, you know, we kind of walk around with this, you know, big ball of hurt. And, um, and, and so uh, <laughs> uh, I'm talking about paying attention and I probably need to take, take a little attention to my child here. But, um, but in terms of, yeah, invisible wound, um, it's almost as if, if I had like a broken arm, um, people could give more sympathy yeah. or, you know, uh, something, something more outward, but, um, you know, walking down the street, feeling like everything's fine. It's actually not for us. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, I think they're fantastic books. I think they're both, both needed. And um, you've got your baby there and you're just saying, you know, I should give more attention to my baby. How has this journey um, impacted your relationship with your other kids? Like, has it made you, not that it sounded like you did anyway, not take things for granted though, you know, like a, a lot more invested and a lot more um, realizing how fragile, you know, life is. And yeah, I, it's, it's absolutely, you know, if you can find any kind of silver lining, um, mm. which, which I never, never, you know, in a million years would have wanted to do. Um, but the silver lining is uh, that I do find myself, um, you know, value my time with my kids even more and not taking any moment for granted. Yeah. Uh, when I was talking about, you know, the celebration of life that we had for Aviva, um, you know, one of the messages there was, was really, I wish I could take back, um, you know, or I wish I could just, you know, change her diaper again, or, or I wish I could wake up in the middle of the night and, and really soothe her if she's crying and screaming, or if she's throwing a tantrum, which she never did. Um, yeah, I wish I could you know be there, but but when my other kids now uh, I have three other living kids, um, when they do, you know, have those times when they're throwing tantrums in the public, or uh, when they won't eat their food, or they won't go to sleep, or you know this and that and the other, when um, you know things that that parents are obviously frustrated with, um, I just kind of take a step back and, and really smile and um, and. And be grateful for that opportunity to be embarrassed or frustrated or mad or angry um, because those are chances, opportunities I, I'll never have with Aviva. And it puts, you know, that into perspective. Um, it puts life in and of itself into perspective. Um, I, I think we as a society have this um, 
you know, this, this almost need to kind of have this perfect life and, you know, with, with social media and everything, you kind of put your best moments right on, on Facebook and Instagram and everything. But um, what I do know now is, is that there's never, ever going to be a perfect life for me um, because my daughter's not going to be in that picture and she's not going to be there. Um, you know, there's, there's no obsession over any kind of perfect life. However, what I can have are perfect moments. And my wife and I have talked about this a lot, um, which, which by the way, you know, that's another, uh, whole other topic, but it's, it's very important to be, um, very supportive of, of your partner, um, as you kind of go through different grieving journeys. Uh, each person has different ways of grieving and my wife and I are no different. Um, definitely very, very different, uh, ways that we've been able to kind of express ourselves actually. Um, but in terms of, you know, in terms of one day, uh, we were actually um, sitting out at a cafe and, and, and just a beautiful day um, with our kids. And, and, and she said this, you know, this right here is a perfect moment. And um, I, I think that's what we can have and strive to have. Um, but, you know, in, in terms of my, kind of out, outlook and, and, and the way that I actually, you know, father my children now, um, there's even a greater <laughs> emphasis on, on family and, and, and taking care of them. So yeah, yeah that's, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's the gift that Aviva's given me. Um, but just wish it wasn't in, in the way that, that it, that it happened, obviously. Well, um, it's not going to bring Aviva back for you, but at least you talking about it um, and, you know, writing these books and everything else, it might just it might just be what somebody else needs to hear, you know, to, to really treasure what they've got in front of them and, you know, not wait for a tragedy to happen. And Yeah, and that, and that is my message to parents is, is really, you know, enjoy the moments that you do have with your child. And I, I know that fa that fatherhood and parenthood can be very frustrating uh, at times. Um, but if you're hearing this message, you know, give your child a big hug and, and tell them that you love them uh, because you just really never know. I mean, her, her last day here, um, it was just any other normal day for us. And I myself had have thought that, you know, tragedy doesn't necessarily, you know, it strikes others. It doesn't strike me. Like there, there's almost this, this, um, I think innate optimism almost, um, that humans and parents have to have, you have to be optimistic thinking that nothing's ever going wrong. But the fact is, you know, the, from the time that you conceive a child, things can go wrong. Um, we all know that. And, uh, it, it's part of, it's part of life. Um, but just as the depth of grief, uh, you know, is 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 so deep. Uh, it's only, it, it really only match. It's it's only matched by by the amount of love that you actually have uh, for that person. And so, um, you know, I, I still have a relationship with my daughter. Um, I, I've done a lot of kind of, you know, thinking about the afterlife and thinking about you know heaven and where she is, um, because as any other father would, I, I still think about what she's doing and what she's up to, but. Um, but I actually have been able to kind of connect um, with nature and especially nature and especially living beings, living organisms, li living animals um, that, um, 
I, I, I look at and, and find that life is so precious. Um, I'm actually a avid surfer here in, in San Diego. And, and um, a lot of times I'm out in the water uh, just thinking about her. I always imagined being able to surf with her. Um, <clears throat> however, sometimes I, I do and, and uh, I think about her and, and all of a sudden a dolphin kind of appears and, uh, and it's just, just right there. And it's almost like as if that's, that's her spirit. But, um, you know, other than that, there's been others like signs like butterflies um, just around our house all the time. And so, yeah, I, I, I'm getting, <laughs> getting a little spiritual here, but, but it's, um, you know, for, for any, any parent that's kind of gone through this, like there, there has to be still a relationship that you have with your child in in some form of fashion. So. And I completely are with you about the spiritual stuff. And, you know, I, I definitely think there's been so many stories of people saying things like that, you know, that they've been talking and thinking if someone in a dove has appeared and, you know, butterflies and, and I think dolphins are incredible, um, incredible, incredibly spiritual beings that do turn up and show up, you know, when we're thinking on another energetic sort of level. And I think that I think you're well with we, we talk about it that's what I think the more people that actually understand the connection um the better and uh, you know I think that I've seen so many things from people that have passed over you know that are, that are definitely not coincidence they're, they're not coincidence they don't just so I think that gives us a bit of hope as well you know to it's a separate life but at least they're still part of us in some way and I think that's I think that's nice really nice yeah no absolutely absolutely mm. so, well i tell you i i've loved this conversation you made me cry so bloody much but it's um you know it, it's too bad that's life and you know life and death and it hurts and it's you know we i think we've got to talk about it. we've got to make it a bit more um and more normalized you know so that we can talk about it and stop making it so taboo so you know what you're doing is is just just beautiful sorry just to add to that um you know i do believe uh that you know having this platform and actually um, being able to talk to you about aviva and about the book um and and really actually uh, that was another thing about the book is it's actually opened up um the conversation and lower the barriers for people that might not want to say anything at all about aviva to be able to go out there and purchase a book and say hey i, I really love the book about your daughter um, but, um, but I think in terms of grief, you know, there, there's no right way to grief. There's thousands of different ways you can, and everyone's unique and individual. However, uh, there, there is a wrong way to grieve, um, that I've learned and, you know, through, uh, a, a lot of different facets, but, um, the wrong way to grieve is really, you know, not dealing with it and not talking about it and trying to lock it in a box and, and bury it um, because that that ends up you know manifesting in, in something you know uh, yeah. bad uh, later on. Um, you, you can kind of you can kind of cover over it and tape over it for a little bit, but um, but for me, you know, just as as you know, going to therapy or or really you know being on this podcast, even it, it really helps me in just a little way um, to to know that. You know, maybe one more person knows about my daughter and 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 also maybe i've been able to help you know someone um that's going through grief right now so and i also think that your book is 
when you're talking about people who maybe a friend of a family, you know, who's lost a child and they don't know what to say to them, you know, even even buying your book and giving it to them and saying, hey, I I don't know what to say, but here's, you know, there's this beautiful book and, you know, maybe yeah. that'll bring some solace, you know. So even that in itself is sort of helps people to open the conversation, you know, just between between two families or something, so... Yeah, no, absolutely, and um, and that's actually coincidence coincidence that you said that because the the second book and and I've actually just finished writing the first draft um, is actually about um, about the grieving process, but but also about how how to actually best help um, those going through grief, um, written in a fun uh, format uh, again with animals. Um, Aviva still making an appearance in the book as well. There's a new, there's a new hero though. Yeah. Uh, won't give it, to, give it away too much, but, um, but yeah, my my goal is actually to to keep writing uh, these children's books. I've never written a, a children's book before, but um, but I want to do that. You know, maybe every year. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. Fantastic. I think that's fantastic. Well, you've obviously got a gift for it, and it's um, and. Well, so, you know, I'll ask this, this question because this, this uh, podcast is to inspire people to take action. And sometimes we wait for adversity. Sometimes we don't. You know, sometimes it's something we love. Sometimes it's in response to something that we, we, we can't bear, you know, in life and we want to act on it. So, you know, very often we I'll keep yours in this theme, but very often we when we lose someone we love, it's easier to lose sight of who we are and what we have to offer. So, you know, we, we start to think my life's, you know, down the bottom of the well, you know, there's nothing I can do. Um, now that I've lost this person, I'm not worth anything anymore. You know, that, that's, uh, that happens to people and they yep. get stuck in that. Um, but we all know that helping others is one of the best ways to heal yourself. What advice would you give to somebody who might be in that place? First of all, I would say, take it one step at a time. And take it one day at a time. It's it's very very difficult. Um, it's a very difficult situation that you're in. If you've lost somebody, um, you know one of the biggest lessons I've learned through actually therapy was was really self compassion. Um, you know, really being gentle and being easy on yourself. And and there's the guilt um, that's associated with with death as well yeah. that you're surviving uh, survivor's guilt. Um, but you know, that at the end of the day, that, that can be destructive. Um, and, and so really just try to take it one step at a time, be, be gentle on yourself and, and, and seek out, uh, the help that you, you need, um, in a way that that fits your unique grieving style. And that could be reading books that could be writing that could be, you know, doing artwork, um, listen to music, going to grieving groups, going to therapy, um, there's there's tons and tons of different ways. Um, you know, my my experience was that I just wanted to try everything. Um, just just really, you know, try to dive in it into grief, you know, head first. And and uh, um, what I've learned, I actually said about helping others um, by going to a grieving group here called Compassionate Friends. Uh, so all of um, bereaved parents that have lost a child. Um, the first few months going in there, I, I just really was trying to pick up different things from different people to kind of learn, you know, what's helped them, what's hurt them uh, along the way. But as I, I realized about nine months into it, um, 
there was there was a mom who had just lost her 30 year old daughter and and um completely devastated uh, it was it was like a week before and um and i was able to to tell her about my journey and and tell about you know the hurtful things that people have said or the things that might that might have helped me along the way or the book that i've i've written um just to kind of give her more perspective on on what mine my own journey looks look like um and and uh yeah we were in a in a circle and and, and we're all kind of given our own kind of stories um but by the end of the night you know she came up to me and she said you know thank you for for sharing uh thank you for for giving you know your uh you know your your mind in in terms of what what you've done um and I left that meeting for the very first time. A lot of these times, it could be very, very difficult, very tough, um, and heavy uh, to hear about everyone's loss. Uh, obviously, in, in a lot of different ways. But it was the very first time that I felt, you know, a little bit lighter, uh, a little bit more joyous, actually, um, knowing that my presence there might have helped her in some small way. Um, and it's not ever going to be a big way. In, in a small way, um, to really help her process her grief. And I realized that that's really the the key about these grieving groups in and of themselves. It's, it actually gives you an opportunity to to help others in need mm -hmm. that have been in the same shoes that that you are. So and it makes you feel, as you said, makes you feel lighter too when you're mm -hmm. able to help somebody else through something. Exactly. Oh, well, Hans, this has been a heavy conversation, but a, a wonderful conversation and a much needed conversation. And I just the world's lucky to have you, you know, really, I know you've, you've touched my heart so much and I know you'll be touching many others. And if you can make the journey of um, grief, you know, just that little bit easier or, or at least make it that little bit more talked about so that bereaved people can have support, you know, and cannot feel isolated, not feel like they've been pushed aside or chucked into the bottom of the well, you know, that's, um, I think that's massive, really, really massive. So thank you. Um, there's going to be what people want to going to find this book and they're going to want to find you and everything else. Uh, where where can people find you? Yeah, so you can actually um, get the book on Amazon. It's, it's worldwide. It's global. Um, it has been a bestseller on Amazon uh, already. And and um, and if if you, you want read, read the reviews, uh, definitely read what other people are, are talking about the book. But um, if you're not an Amazon person, um, it's on Barnes and Noble, it's on Kobo, it's on um, tons and tons of other uh, outlets. Um, so it's hardback, paperback, as well as audio version and ebook version. So Kindle version as well. Um, so four different formats for you there. And um, in terms of uh, in terms of finding me, you can actually go to my website uh, to learn more about Aviva and how she's still impacting the world uh, and leaving her legacy. Um, it's at hanskulberg.com, so H-A-N-S-K-U-L-L-B-E-R-G.com. Um, but then on Twitter, uh, it's Aviva's, at Aviva's Daddy, um, as well as Instagram. Uh, I would admit I'm not that active there. I should be a lot more. Um, but actually, the easiest way to contact me is actually through email. So um, my author's email is avivasdaddy at gmail.com. Fantastic. Well, I'll put all these in the links in the show notes and people can reach out to you and 
start following the journey and buy the book and share the book and all that kind of stuff and leave a review. You said read the reviews, but we didn't say leave a review. So that would be fantastic. But yeah, no, I, I, I definitely would appreciate the reviews. That's, that's kind of how Amazon works, but um, really appreciate that. And um, if you want to, you know, reach out and, and send me a note as well, um, you'll, you'll have my direct email as well. So I'd love to hear from you. Ah, that's fantastic. Well, I've loved this so much. And thank you so much for your time. And thank you so much for sharing so openly. And, you know, you've shared a lot of things that we need to know that probably didn't know, you know, you, you know, you've, you've opened up the conversation for things that are often uh, suppressed. So I'm, I'm really, really thankful for your time and thankful for, for doing that for us. Well, thank you so much, Karen. And thank you for your podcast, Get Off the Bench. I, I think it's, it's really a, a remarkable podcast that you have. And um, I really appreciate that time and, and space that you've given me to have this conversation. So um, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Oh, my absolute pleasure. All right. Well, thank you. And we will chat again soon. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Oh, guys, Whew, I tell you, that was a heavy conversation, but... If we don't have these conversations and we don't bring this stuff out into the open and stop sort of hiding it in a corner like a taboo subject, that so many people, so many people get hurt. So many people have the right to express themselves and have the right to be heard and for someone to hold space for them. So if you're in that situation or you know now or in the future and somebody loses a child or is in a bereaved state you know reach out and just like Han said just give them a cuddle or even say I don't know what to say but I'm here to hold space for you or or just throw that rope down the well and go down and sit with them because you know I know how he feels um, losing my sister it's not the, definitely not the same as losing a child but it it it's a it's a bit of a lonely place and it's a bit of a space where you sometimes you just don't know um, how to get back into the world with everybody else. So I guess anybody who comes into your world and, um, uh, uh, you know, agrees to hold your hand and sort of slowly walk out with you, that, that's pretty special. So if you can do that for somebody, that'd be, that'd be fantastic. Um, please also go and check out Hans, uh, just check out his, his website, which is Hans Kulberg, which is H-A-N-S, K-U-L-L-B-E-R-G.com. And I'll have that in the show notes. And also go to Amazon or somewhere else, wherever you can find it, and grab the book, which is, I better read it out probably so I don't get it wrong, Baby Aviva, Orangutan Diva. And what a special book. And maybe, maybe also buy one as a gift for somebody else. So anyway, I hope you've enjoyed that and uh, have learned something special from that. And I hope that we can all get in the conversation and make a better world for everybody because when we're all on the same page and we're all giving each other a hug and we're all showing up to hold hands and pull people forward, that's how the world's going to work much better. So I'll leave you with that thought. Thank you very much again for joining me and see you next week. See ya. Thanks for joining me. As always, I hope this episode inspired you. If you know somebody who's taken courageous action to create something that's making a difference for other people, let me know about it. Go to my website, karenvaughan.com, tinker around there, have a bit of a look and send me a message. 
can't wait to hear from you. And remember, you're worth it. Your unique talents and gifts need to be out in this world. And I'm so passionate about inspiring you to achieve that. So you've listened to this episode. Just say yes, make the decision and put one foot in front of the other. See you next week.